Morning, Jesse. <laughs> it's good to see Jesse up here singing. I've known he can sing for a long time, and so it's good to have him and listen to him sing. So, if you've been noticing week after week, we have more and more folks coming up here and adding to the worship team, and it's a blessing, and it's great to see uh, folks stepping in and stepping out. So, appreciate that. As PJ said, you know, sometimes you have to translate my English into English, and so if you need to do that this morning, that's fine. Uh, many of you commented on Ebenezer and Ebenezer, and yeah, they're, they were brothers somewhere, but uh, it's good. You know what the great thing is? That from a pastor's perspective, I know you're listening. So even if you're laughing at me, that's okay, and if that's hopefully not all you remembered from last week, but um, hopefully it was a reminder to you, but it's an encouragement to me as well, and so... Appreciate that. I think now that the kids are gone, we can begin with Samuel. And if you're new here this morning, we've been in it for several weeks now, actually, since uh, almost the first of the year, we've been working through the book of Samuel. And as I mentioned before, is Samuel the main focus? No. No. None of the books of the body in the Bible are the people in it as much as it is God, right? God is the central character in the Bible, and his faithfulness is what we should focus on and who we should look to become. But God does use imperfect people. Amen, amen. Even those that can't pronounce names and things right. So, But as we've been looking at the life of Samuel, he had some humble beginnings, and we also learned early on that having two wives is a good thing or a bad thing? Bad. Yeah, it didn't work out so well, right? There was not peace and I think even yesterday we were looking at as men as uh, what causes quarrels and fights among you, right? Uh, It doesn't work well uh, in that situation. But Hannah, Samuel's mom, did dedicate him to the Lord and to the temple and to the worship and under the care of Eli and his two sons, who were great examples, right? Not so much, right? Yeah, they perverted justice and they were... Uh, led the Israel astray in many ways, and it was a dark time in their history. Then a little further on, we, we listened to, we also looked at Hannah's prayer, and her prayer is rich in theology. It was rich in, in actually forecasting the whole book of Samuel, whereas God kind of flips things upside down quite often. He uses things that we wouldn't expect, and he turns them around, right? And sometimes the, the meekest people become the, the leaders, and sometimes the leaders become humbled and meek in that. And so we've been working through that. We also saw the the need for putting God first, right? We talked a little bit about that. And when Israel didn't put God first, what happened when they went into battle? They lost, right? Right? But when God's put first, he would give them victory. And over the arch enemies of the Philistines or that constant nagging neighbor, and uh, it caused many problems. We also got to look at their idol, Ragon, if you remember that a little bit, or Dagon, and depending on the, the translation, but the, the fish, half fish, half man God. And uh, God humbled even that idol. The young, and then lately we've been looking at some of the, the growth in Samuel as he's been growing as a young man, and now in, he's gotten to be to that point in life where he's an older man. And he has two sons, and his hope, as every dad was, uh, that his sons would rise up and take over and be the spiritual leaders of the nation. But unfortunately, like Eli, his sons did not fall in the same way. And last week, we, we looked at the people cried out for a king. 
You remember what their reason for calling out for a king? What was their, their main reason for it? To be like other nations, right? To be like those around them. Which again is just the opposite of what God intended, right? God set Israel apart to be unlike the other nations so that they would be drawn to him. He wanted to use Israel for that purpose. That's the, his God's chosen people. That was the, the main thrust of allowing them to exist and allowing them to worship and showing their frailty and their humanity, but also showing God through them. They were quite often outnumbered in battle. They were quite often looked down upon, but they were set apart as God's chosen people to be that example to the nations around them. And so when they're asking for a king to be like the other nations, they're really saying, hey, we want to be like everybody else. We don't want to be out there on that limb. Lucas was mentioning limbs, and by the way, I can create some more if there's not enough out there. Um, as soon as the snow gets off, I can do that pretty easy. So, um, I love it when other people clean up my messes. So, out at Camp Jim. Thank you for sharing that, Lucas. And so, Samuel has this struggle, right? He, the people want a king, but Samuel's not so sure. And Samuel argues a little bit with God. He complains to God, and we talked about that last week, right? It's okay to complain to God, and Actually, Denise and I had a great conversation about that this week. We, we looked at some other scriptures about complaining to God, and sometimes it's, uh, it's okay to complain to God, but not complain about God. And I think that's where we kind of settled on that. That's when you get in real trouble, when you complain about God. And so um, it was a good discussion, and uh, Denise is trying to keep me straight. It's not always easy, so uh, it takes a lot to do that. But Samuel struggled with that decision, but he relents because the Lord says, give the people what they want. And so last week we started that process of now the king. And we're going to look at that today. And today's uh, an interesting title to my message. Landon, I'll give it to you early, right? Chasing donkeys. Chasing donkeys. Yeah, all right? You know I could have a lot of fun with this. And I've had to work really hard to keep mature, and PJ's warned me not to go back to my King James Version this morning and, and try to stay where I'm at. But Chasing Donkeys is the title, and you'll see why as we go through it. And uh, it's an interesting uh, way that God uses even donkeys. Not Balaam's donkey, as, you know, as Josh reminded me yesterday, no, but some other donkeys as well. So chapter 9, verse 1, before I get into any more trouble... And, you know, start pointing out who might be a donkey or not. So, anyways, 9 verse 1. There was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abel, son of Zebor, the son of Barak, the son of Alpha, of Benjamin. Kish had a son named Saul, a handsome young man, as could be found anywhere in all of Israel. And he was a head taller than anyone else. So this is the guy. Right? This is the one that's going to become the first king of all of Israel. He's going to be the example. And from all intents and purposes, right? he, he looks good. He's a handsome young guy. The fact that he's tall and you get to look up to him, that's an, another plus, right? And so you know, it, it seems like that would be an obvious choice. Well, the, the Benjamite tribe is not the most prominent, but it's a good place to start. It's a good place to, you know, to, to raise up a, a, a king. And so now we get into verse 3 and a little bit more. Now Saul's the guy. Saul's the one that's going to start this process. Now the donkeys, 
Here you go. I, I don't work hard to get a, a message title. Donkeys, it's right in verse 3, belong to Saul's father. Kish were lost, were lost, and Kish said to his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. So he passed through the hill country of Ephraim and through the areas around Shenea, but they did not find them. Then they went on to the district of Shalom, and, but the donkeys were not there. Then he passed through the territory of Benjamin, but they did not find them. The idea is that they, they're having to travel a long distance. These donkeys have gone far away from home. They're, they're a long ways off. Now, one thing that donkeys in that day, they were pretty expensive, right? I don't know what the inflation of that would be today, but think of them almost like cars or vehicles or trucks, right? They have value to them. That's a means of transportation. And so the fact that Saul's dad had a bunch of donkeys, he had some, some means, he had some wealth. The fact that he had a servant means that he, had, he was in charge over some men. So again, it's a prominent place. And most likely Saul came from a pretty easy background. And the fact that he sends him out to go look for the donkeys is, is, is because they're so valuable. He's there to entrust to, to go get them. I mean, he could send his servant, but there would be the temptation, right? If he's not a faithful servant, take the donkeys and run, right? These, these are pretty valuable. This is, he's committing man hours to go look for them. It's not one of those things, well, I'll just put out the feed bucket. They'll come home eventually when they want to, right? Scarlett's back there, you're shaking her head like, no, you don't know nothing about donkeys, Charlie, right? You had, well, I know a little bit about a, a donkey, but not donkeys in general, right? But they are a mind of their own. They are, can travel. Um, they don't always do what they're supposed to. And so Saul and his servant are having to go through the countryside looking for them. And it's taking some time. It's not, a, it's not a day journey. It's a couple days journey that they're walking and looking for this group. Verse 5 says, When they reached the district of Zufa, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back to, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. And again, it's, it's normal, right? It's been a while now, and, and all of a sudden, you know what? This is getting late, and this is getting long, and now dad's probably going to stop wondering, a, either my son can't find a donkey when he wants one, or, hey, he's going to start getting worried. Right? And so we start to see a little bit of Saul's character. And that's why I kind of want to stop there, and even though I spent some time in this chapter, but Saul has a little bit of a sensitivity here, right? He has a respect for his dad, and his dad sent him on this mission, but he's like, hey, I don't want dad to worry either. And so maybe he's talking with his servant, like, maybe we need to go back. Verse 6 here, but the servant replied, look, in this town there's a man of God. He is highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let us go there now. Perhaps he will tell us what way to take. Not a bad idea, right? Servant's got a good idea here. Let's go seek some advice. In fact, servant knows about this guy. We're going to find out later. This is Samuel who he's talking about, but he can tell where things He's a, a judge, he's well-respected, but he also can see into the future. And again, don't get confused here by this seer, it's, it's really prophet, it's, it's a very similar word, and again, the translation says seer, but it's not the seer as in a fortune teller or a mysticism or anything like that, it's a, a prophet. It's just a common word that they would use. But his servant says, hey, let's go find this guy, 
and see if he can help us with find our donkeys because the servants focus on the mission, right? I got sent out here. I've been out here. I spent all this time. I want to find these donkeys and make sure they get back. Again, we don't know, but quite often their, their servant's um, job would depend on how well they obeyed, how well they did things, and so he might actually lose his position if he doesn't come back with them. Saul does not have as much to, to lose here, and so probably commentators think that's probably the reason why he pushes him a little bit to, hey, let's go try one more thing before we go back. Kind of like when you're fishing that one last cast, right? Let me just do one, one more cast, and then we'll go which turns into another and another from there. But Verse 7, So Saul said to his servant, If we go, what can we give the, the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have a gift to take to the man. Oh, he says, We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? And again, custom of that day was if you went and got advice or sought out something, you would give them a gift and you would give it up front. Because it's not dependent on what they tell you, but it's to get them to tell you. It's actually a sign of respect. And so Saul knows that part. He knows the custom. He says, hey, we, we, well, we don't have anything. We don't have any food. We, we've eaten it just to get to this point. In fact, it's probably going to be a long walk back with little food. And so he says, but we need to give him something. And once again, the servant here rises up, and he says in verse 8, he answered him and says, look, I have a quarter of a shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of God so that he will tell us what way to take. Formerly in Israel, if someone went to inquire of God, they would say, come, let us go see the seer, because the prophet of today used to be called a seer. Again, explaining that interchange of those two words. So again, the, the servant rises up once again, and, and he has the means to make this happen. And so Saul agrees here in verse 10, said to his servant, come, let's go. So they set out for the town where the man of God was. As they were going up the hill to the town, they met some young women coming out to draw water, and they asked him, is the seer here? He is, he answered. He's ahead of you. Hurry now. He has come out of our town today, for the people have sacrificed at the high place. All right? So these young ladies tell him, they, they, they say, hey, at the, the, the well, the, the water cooler of the day, the well, hey, that he is here in the town, but he's on the move. He's not going to be staying there, so you're going to have to hurry to catch up because they've already sacrificed on the high place, right? Man of God sacrificing, and again, he's going to be leaving that area soon, but he's there right now, and so there's some urgency in them going. If they're going to catch him, they're going to have to get going. Verse 13, it says, As soon as he entered the town, as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the high place to eat. The people will not begin eating until he comes, because he must bless the sacrifice. Afterward, those who are invited will eat. Go up now, and you should find him about this time. And again, custom was, but also the, the practice was, before they ate from the sacrifice or had the meal, they would bless the meal. And again, remember, Samuel is in that unique role. We've talked about a little bit of a judge, part priest, part prophet. He, he wears different hats um, throughout his ministry. And judges is that time of transition. And we know the, the next transition is going to be the, the time of kings. And so Samuel is in this unusual place. He's still in control, even though God told him there's going to be a king. And Samuel knows there's going to be this, the king is going to be over, uh, over even him. But spiritually, 
Samuel's still leading the nation of Israel, and they would have a, that's what's going on here in this practice of sacrifice and blessings before they eat. And they would have a huge meal, and a, a lot of the folks would come and eat and dine together. That, that fellowship that what we all love, right? We love to come around a table and fellowship and, and eat, but again, thanking God first, and so for, for God for providing. Verse 14, they went up to the town, and as they were entering it, there was Samuel coming toward them on his way up to the high place. Now, the day before, Saul came. Again, we're reading history. We're reading it backwards. It's going to jump back a little bit. It's like in one of those movies, right? A day before or a couple of days, even in here in Scripture, it kind of helps us a little bit and get us a, a picture, right? Because we're only looking at Saul at this point and his servant. But meanwhile, Samuel's over here. And so I love how Scripture does that for us. It kind of brings it to life a little bit. It sets it apart. But so the day before, so we're going to jump back in time here according to scriptures. It says, now the day before Saul came to the Lord, the Lord had received, revealed this to Samuel. About this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I've looked on my people for, I've, yeah, I've looked on my people for their cry has reached me. And then Samuel caught sight of Saul, and the Lord said to him, This is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. See, that, that day before is important. God was talking to Samuel, saying, Hey, there's going to be a young man walking into town, and you're going you're gonna to see him coming, and I'm going to let you know which one. Right? Because Samuel doesn't know. I think, Joe, you mentioned this morning, we don't always know, right? We don't get copied in that. We don't even get blind copied in that most of the time on our emails, right? So we don't know the next step. Samuel's the same way. He's walking by faith. He doesn't know exactly who God's picked for the next king. And so God is setting the stage and watching Samuel here work through this process and saying, hey, I've got somebody, but here it is. The timing is important, and who it is is important. And so just like Saul's being obedient to his dad, Samuel's being obedient to his dad. Obedience is working on both sides here to bring these two men together. Verse 17, when Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Then Saul approached Samuel at the gateway and asked, would you please tell me where my seer's house is? And Saul doesn't even know who he is, right? He's, they've never met. They've not had that encounter. They're, they're two strangers at that point. They, they come together. Saul's focused on his mission I need to talk to Seer, I need to find those donkeys, and i got to get back to Dad. And so he's kind of looking in that direction. And then he, verse 19, Samuel answers, I am the Seer. Go up ahead of me to the high place, for today you are to eat with me. And in the morning I will send you on your way and will tell you all that is in your heart. As for the donkeys, I love those donkeys, they come a lot in this, they, lo they lost three days ago now, do not worry about them. They have been found, and to whom it is all and to whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line. Now undoubtedly Saul has no idea really what's going on. He's probably a little confused and a little dazed. He says, I really just want to find out where the donkeys are so I can get them and go back. Now you tell me they're back, but you want me to wait. All right? You see, from Saul's perspective, it's kind of an interesting spot. He's in this, all right, now what do I do? And Samuel's saying, hey, you're going to come and eat with me. And again, the seer prophet, when he says this to Saul, this is signaling, hey, I want to spend some more time with you. 
right? In many ways, it's not about the donkeys anymore, in case you hadn't picked that up, right? It's about these guys coming together. And the fact that he even gives them that assurance, hey, the donkeys have been found, they're all set. Dad may be worried about you, but at least the donkeys are safe. So, um, but it's setting the stage. Verse 21, but I am not a Benjamin, but I am, yeah, but am I not, there we go, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? All right, Saul's starting to realize, all right, this guy wants something from me. There's something he's asking from me. And almost like all of us, right, sometimes we get asked that hard question or get asked to do something, right? We got a list of excuses, right? We already got them. I can pull these out, right? Have you ever had that happen? Like, or you know someone's going to ask something from you and you start working on all the excuses of why you can't do it? I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I can come up with a pretty quick list on the fly. Well, Saul's the same way here. He's like, hey, I'm the least. The, the Benjamite tribe, they're, they're not a big tribe. They're, they're the least. They're, they're pretty low in the pole here. You don't want to, me to, to be anything, right? I, I just want to get back to the donkeys, right? Get back to my dad and this mission. That's, that's what Saul's first reaction is. is not me. Why are, you, why are you asking this of me? In many ways, and Saul doesn't even know the job yet, but he's already worked out the excuses. He doesn't want it. It's kind of what you see here. Again, putting that back on ourselves, how many times do we shortchange ourselves because we talk ourselves out of something that God has for us? Take the next step, right? How many times do we miss out on an opportunity because we don't be obedient, we don't take the next step, we don't walk by faith, or we see all the things that are in the way? And we come up short. Good thing here is Samuel pushes through, right? Verse 22, Samuel brought Saul and his servant into the hall and seated them at the head of those who were invited, about 30 in numbers. Samuel said to the cook, bring me the piece of meat I give to you, the one that I told you to lay aside, right? Saul is getting pulled out here. He's being drawn out. and It's kind of a, a process at this point. It's step by step, but he brings him and he seats him down, right? Samuel's the, the big wig. He's the, the leader of the group, right? He's the, the head and he's saying, hey, Saul, this young man, come and sit here. And oh, by the way, my other servants, go get me that special piece of meat, right? Again, it's very symbolic, but it's, it's also important for us to understand it was a sign. He's starting to show Saul's prominence. He's helping Saul get into his new position. And so the, the choice piece of meat was saved for those, that guest of honor. And at this point, Saul has now become the guest of honor. It may have also been part of the process for Samuel as well. And again, Samuel does know what's coming. I'm going to have to serve under this guy at some point. And you know what? I might as well start practicing now. Right? He's going to be taking over. And so I need to start working on changing his heart. Because remember, Samuel not not been happy, right? Samuel was not happy about a king being appointed. Sometimes we, we forget if we don't go back and kind of go forward a little bit. But, right? Samuel says, why are they rejecting me? Why, are the people don't, why do the people don't want to follow me or my sons? And he's resided now, at least to this point, that Saul is going to be the king. And so Samuel's working on his own heart in this as well. 
Verse 24, so the cook took up the thigh with what was on it, yeah, what was on it, and set it in front of Saul. Samuel said, here, here's what has been kept for you. Eat, because it was set aside for you, for this occasion, for this occasion from this time. I said, I've invited guests, and Saul dined with Samuel that day. And again, the, the meat and the significance and important, but I, I love the, the phrase there, you can almost miss it, but hey, it was set aside for you for this occasion, for this time, right? God does not waste moments, right? We are placed in certain places for a certain time and for a certain reason or purpose. And so even though Saul didn't know what the purpose was yet, Samuel does, and so Samuel's setting that up and saying, hey, this is for you. This is for you at this time. It's important, right? Don't miss this opportunity. Verse 25, it says, After they came down from the high place to the town, Samuel talked with Saul on the roof of this house. They rose about daybreak, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof, Get ready, I will send you on your way. When Saul got ready, he and Samuel went outside together. As they were going down to the edge of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the servant to go on ahead of us. And the servant did so. But you stay here for a while so that I may give you a message from God. Interesting here, Scripture doesn't record what was saying between them, right? They're, they're going to have a conversation. Again, Saul was on the roof. You've got to imagine, too, this is, not, uh, this is not like our pointed roofs here. It was a flat spot, and it had sides on it, and it was an area where they would use for like an extra bedroom or for a place to meet, to catch the sun. It would be a, a flat spot. But Samuel is now starting to invest in Saul, Again, we don't have it here in Scripture, but we got to imagine that it was on a spiritual note. Samuel is, is instructing Saul, hey, God has a plan for you. God is going to use you. And interesting, he sends a servant, right? Because he doesn't want word to get out yet. It's a, a process. Right? We'll see that here over the next chapters, but it doesn't happen all at once. It's going to take a little time. There's going to be some preparation. There's going to be some timing. Saul's got to kind of wrestle with this in, in his own heart, but I think Samuel had to get ready as well, get the people ready for what was to come. We lose sight in Scripture because we're looking back through a small lens, but some time is going by here as well. And so they have this conversation, and like I said, it was most likely a spiritual conversation, and, and then again, the symbolic comes next in 10. We're going to jump into 10 just a little bit this morning, just as a transition, but it says, then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zela at the border of Benjamin. They will say to you, the donkeys you set out to look for have been found. And now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, what shall I do about my son? Again, Samuel jumps back into that other role, right? He's, he's anointing Saul's head. Again, a sign of kingship or priestlyhood or a ministry. And yet he's also acting as a prophet, right? He's telling him, hey, you're going to meet two guys and they're going to tell you the same story, right? That, that prophet that gives prophecies that he can see. Jews needed that. They needed to see that this person had authority from God. And so Samuel is revealing that to Saul in this. And again, the symbolic of the, the oil and the kiss. And again, it's saying, Samuel is saying, I accept you as king. 
Again, remember, we were just talking about Samuel wasn't crazy about a king, but now he's, God's changed his heart. I love the fact that God's always working in multiple levels, right? Not only working in, in my heart with things, but he's also working in other people. I can trust God that God's working in them. Sometimes when we don't see people for a long time, right, there's gaps. I don't know if you ever have that, but gaps, we kind of let people hang where we left them, right? You know, when I saw them 10 years ago, they were in this, this spot, and it wasn't very good. And, and I've been growing in the Lord and, and, and going further, and my mind thinks that they're still in that same spot. But quite often, they're growing too. Sometimes they're even outgrowing me, and that's great to see. But we lose sight of that. God works on so many different levels, and he works in people's hearts at different paces, and that's okay. So again, it's just a good reminder here for that, for our own selves. And I guess I would say... This is a bonus point, but don't leave that person there either, okay? Allow them to, to grow. Allow them to be growing and give grace. Not in my notes, just a bonus. Verse 3. It says, Then you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. Three men going up to worship God at Bethel. They will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread which you will accept from them. I love the detail. Kind of cool, huh? I mean, it's not a, a prophecy that's kind of like, oh, you know, there, there may be a couple guys, you may run into somebody and, and they'll tell you that the donkeys have been found. I mean, word's gotten out the donkeys were found. I'm sure there were other people out looking for them. It's, no, not at all. It's very, very specific, right? Three loaves, they're going to offer you two, right? You say, why not all three? Well, they need one for themselves, Right? And again, there's only two guys. This will help them get back on their way, too. The, the God's even providing something as simple as food. But I love the detail. So when Saul gets through this encounter, right, he's not going to have much doubt that he's just met, for all intents and purposes, with God. Right? God's using Samuel, but, but there's not going to be much question that, hey, this is someone that is speaking for God. And so the details are important here in this. Just a little bit more here, a couple more verses as we finish up. It says, As we go to Gilbeth of God, there will, there's, there is, where there is a Philistine outpost, as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from a high place there with lyrics, tambourines, pipes, and harps being played before them. And they will be prophesying. Hey, there was music back in the Old Testament. Go figure, right? Although I'm not sure I've seen anyone play a harp recently in a church, and I'm not even sure what a lyre is exactly, so, but I'm not the music guy. So, Ernie, do you have one of those in your bag of tricks? No, okay. Stick to the guitars, okay. But they were singing, praising God, worshiping, and come to find out there's more than one prophet. There's some other prophets out there as well, right? And in verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hand finds you to do. Finds you to do, for God is with you. Saul needs a spiritual conversion at this point. He needs some, he needs some help. This is beyond him. Physically, it's even beyond him, even with the people behind him, which are not yet. That, that hasn't happened. But Samuel's influence here is, hey, 
this young man's going to need a spiritual encounter. He's going to need something to really rattle him a little bit and change him. I can say these things to him. I can do all this work, but he needs to have the work done in his own heart. So much like our lives, right? We, we, we can listen to, to good sermons. We can read the Word even, and sometimes we can have other people talk to us. But until we come to that place and that point where we accept it and we hear from God directly, that's when change really starts, right? God uses people. God uses those things. But quite often it comes down to us and being obedient to God and listening to Him. And that's where I'm going to leave you for this morning, right? So yes, there was a lot about donkeys, but obviously you see a lot more than that, right? Both of them were just uh, the means that God used to bring these two men together. But God was at work in both of them. And so my encouragement to you this morning is don't miss the opportunity, right? Don't let the excuses get in the way. If God tells you to do something or he leads you in a direction or he calls upon you to step into a role that you may not feel qualified for, trust him. Seek after God. And also talked about the people in different places, right? It's a good good place to to remind us of ourselves, right, That, that God can grow each of us as individuals, not always, we're not always together, and just because we don't see someone doesn't mean that God's not growing them up as well. And then, as always, put God first, right? You know, Samuel could have just anointed and told all the people, hey, this is your new king, and just stuck him out there as a, a young man and said, hey, you need to follow him, and could have burned up Samuel's relationship capital, but no, he's preparing Saul. Again, Saul needs to be a man after God's own heart as well. And so Saul needs to have that spiritual encounter on his own. And so don't miss that uh, in your own life and in your own walk. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the examples you do give us in Scripture, Lord. And Lord, uh, we just ask that you would do that work in us. Lord, help us not to miss those opportunities that you give us. Help us to step out, to step out in faith. Lord, we also ask that you would just continue the work that you began in us, each and every one of us as believers in Christ, Lord, that you would continue that work, Lord, and that we would be receptive to what it is that you want us to do next. And Lord, we just thank you for our time this morning. We thank you for Christ. What we're about to remember in communion, Lord, and as we do that of the body of Christ. The great sacrifice that you made on our behalf and the work that you did for us. And Lord, I just thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask a couple of helpers, Steve and Rick, if you'll come give me a hand. you're visiting here with us at Pointway this morning, I just want to let you know that our communion table is open to all. If you're a believer in Christ, uh, it's not a, a members only or you to do any special other than just be a believer in Jesus Christ. And so it's open to each and every one of us here this morning. But we do take it seriously at Pointway and we follow and adhere to what Scripture has told us and how we take the, that ordinance and how important it is to us. 
And so scripture tells us, it says, so then whoever eats of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so here at Point, what we like to do is just give you a few moments to, to talk to God, to spend that time with him. And so bow your heads right where you're at, and we're just going to take a moment uh, to make sure that we're doing this in the right spirit. I'm going to ask Rick if he'll uh, give thanks for the bread and for the, the cup that we receive and what it represents. passing out both cups and if you want to wait we'll do it together as the body of Christ uh, but if God's prompting you to do it by yourself that's fine too uh, we're not as formal here at Point Way but we will be doing it together as a, the body family
Take the bread first. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Taking the cup and says in the same way after he took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this. Whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us in song and fellowship afterwards. And again, as we like to do, is we also take a reminder that there's still some cups left. And there are still people out there that do not know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so as a reminder to us this week that we take that opportunity to share what we've been given, that free gift from God, and that we share it with others. So that they may join us next time and they may be here and that we may run out of cups and that would be okay. And uh, again, thank you.